everybody. It is Next Planet Over, our Halloween episode. This episode, we're discussing the first season of Tales from the Crypt with my friend Josh. But first, I have my friend Tony from our old show, Stumbling Towards Adulthood. How's it going, Tony? Hey, hey! Oh, good God. My new speaker is a lot louder than I thought it was. Sweet Jesus, I hit red <laughs> line real hard. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was my crusty the clown imitation. <laughs> so it is, uh, we're going to do a kind of a... A summation of what we thought of the first three seasons of Stranger Things, which I finally got around to finishing season three. And um, also, I wanted to talk real quickly. Uh, you and I went to uh, Portland Comic Con, and mm-hmm. uh, I was actually kind of surprised at how few people were in line for the signings, and it was a little depressing. What did you think? Yeah, you know, it's weird because I, I know a guy out here where I live in, like, you know, the greater Raleigh area who's, like, hardcore. And apparently, according to him, everybody's lined up in the sign. So I don't know if that's like a Portland thing or maybe just a Portland thing that year. But like he, like he said, like the signing booths are like the lines on a block. He paid like two hundred bucks to have like a photo. Holy shit! It blows my mind away. Like I was like, yeah, it's like it's just somebody's signature. You can wait till a guy's done his done his like shift and then like comes outside and you can get that same signature for free. You know what I mean? It's a weird, it's a weird thing to do. Well. I, I was disappointed because I've been to the Sacramento Comic Con before, and the lines are open, and everybody can see the the people, whatever. At least you're like, oh hey, they're there, we can get line. Mm-hmm. And this one was strange because you and I wandered out to the floor, and we saw that so many people were behind curtains. And I thought, yeah, weird, weird, weird Al was like behind some kind of partition. I was like, what? I could still see you kind of around the corner, but yeah, it's weird. <laughs> With that and the Princess Bride. Uh, cast was behind like not only behind like a partition but they were behind a, uh, another uh, curtain and then that was behind yet another curtain where all three of them would come together for photos and i thought that was like uh, kind of off-putting but i don't know if they think oh you can just you know what no taking a photo of a person and actually being with a person is two totally different things i hate when they just do like vip exclusive bullshit yeah you pay this much you know like just ruins the whole spirit of the thing now, I don't know if that's the, the person's call or the company that's running the Comic-Con's call because it was weird. We saw Lou Ferrigno, and his line was mm-hmm. completely open. He was out there. Sadly, hardly anybody was there talking to him. He was wide open. But he could, you know what? He goes to everyone all the time, from what I've been told. But people may have already, yeah, may already have like a signature. And True. He might have watered down the demand. Up. Yeah. Right. And then um, – yeah, we saw Kelly LeBrock. I can't. There was a lot of people from animation. I can't remember who else we saw, but for the most part, it was oh, everybody was gone because it was Sunday and we we're kind of at the low end of it. But um, the panels we went to were uh, Zachary Levi from Chuck uh, and uh, Shazam, which was the first show, and it was absolutely packed. And, and he really knows how to work his audience. He was great, man. He's he he's a great MC. I mean, he was he was really working the crowd, and he like. You know, he was convincing of the fact that he was enjoying himself. I mean, it was pretty, it seemed pretty authentic that he was having a good time. Yeah, he was extremely patient. Now, if you go to a Comic-Con, you have a question to ask, can you please just ask one fucking question? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, all those people in line, it was so, I think it's just rude. You you get one shot, the next person gets a shot. Some of his questions were like obscure and odd and like, you know, it's like, it's like, there's some unusual questions here and there. Well, what I didn't like was, and I have a follow-up question. God, of course you do. Of course you have a follow-up question. There's 80 people in line. <laughs> I'm not saying this because I was jealous. I was sitting, and uh, I needed coffee badly, so I wasn't going to get up in line and ask a question for anything. Well, he, he did have to remind people, hey, man, there's, there's yeah. people who's going to do this all day. You know? 
Yeah, when we went to uh, we went to a panel, I can't totally awful '80s where they showed us clips of cartoons and TV shows from the '80s. And I, I did, yeah. those guys should be fired because I just feel like, oh, why is this awesome? Ninety percent of the time, the guy would go, look, just because it, it's awesome. It just is. It's so terrible, but it's also awesome. I was like, wow, wait till I analyze that. Good going, eh? <laughs> yeah, no, the one guy I just liked it because he liked it because he's a fan of said actor, or said show. He just happened to be a fan of it, so that's why he liked it. I was like, well. You know, yeah. it's really I'm like delving into the satellite. You're just saying that, you're just defending it because you're a fan. Right. And, and there was a lot of stuff that you had never heard of. And it, it did, uh, it probably didn't surprise you. That's like, no, I know that. I know that. I know that. I know that. Because <laughs> I'm insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This just a uh, manimal and auto man were two clips. They showed mask and a couple others, but, um, other than that, we went and saw the, uh, goofy movie, uh, panel where Polly Shore was so disconnected. He was fucking phoning it in, man. If, they, if I've ever, if any, if anyone's ever phoned it in before, he was totally phoning it in that day. He just, yeah. He, and he admitted, he's like, look, I've seen it twice. Yeah. You know, once when it first came out, and then once like ten years ago. Oh, I don't remember anything. I, I, I understand you guys are all big fans, and this is kind of your thing, this is your passion. But you know, it was, it was a quick buck for me. That, yeah. That Twenty years ago, whatever. It was. Well, I, he probably expected people to ask him questions about the other things that he was in. And I think yeah. he was getting tired of the Leaning Tower of Cheesa and that weird old lady doing like the weasel voice to him. He's probably just exhausted from it. And uh, and then he left, and I actually thought he left, left. Like he's like, "Fuck this, I'm out." <laughs> That's funny. Now he just went to take a leave. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finally, we went to the weird science panel where it was very, very underattended. I was actually shocked. It was like 150 people. Yeah. Yeah, that that's I yeah, there was more people at the Goofy movie than there was the Weird Science. I was yeah. like, are you serious? Yeah, and of course I was by this point like I'm going to ask a question, and I don't know what happened. Part of it was the fact I had a lot of caffeine, and I'm very very sensitive to caffeine, and I kind of just chugged yeah. it. I know it's nothing to you. You're just like I, I have like 12 times <laughs> yeah. out a day. Yeah. But for me, I, you know, with that and the chocolate and everything with the espresso in, and I was revving, and I was really nervous too, and. You say you didn't see me shake. I was shaking uncontrollably. I look like Thumper. Or uh, you remember when uh, Wiley Coyote took those speed pills to catch up to the Roadrunner and his legs go. That's yeah, what it yeah. felt like. It felt yeah, like... yeah. It, it wasn't. It, it wasn't like. It wasn't like visibly noticeable. I mean, yeah. Maybe if I was right next to you, if I was you know a few feet away. But it wasn't. It wasn't anything. I wasn't seeing any crazy tremors or anything. Yeah, like, I was. Just, I'm was just glad. I'm just so glad they didn't notice and go, are you okay? And I was able <laughs> to get out three, well, more. it was more of one question, and then I just kind of said something to the two guys about stuff that they did that was important to me, and that was it. And after, I was like, thank you, bye, and I sat down, sweat, sweat, sweat. <laughs> yeah, you asked uh, the one guy about some other thing he did. Yeah, I, well, I asked, I asked um, Kelly LeBrock about what it was like working with Gene Wilder and uh, – um, uh, Gilda Radner, and then I said something to Ellen Michael Smith about The Chocolate War, which is a great book. Um, I'm really surprised no one asked him about being on the Superboy TV show, because that was... I, I thought that would still have a fan following, even though it's truly terrible. Yeah, I don't recall saying that, to be honest. I don't, don't, don't even recall it. Yeah, and then I, um, I said something to uh, uh, Anthony Michael Hall about how great uh, Out of Bounds was, which is like... The movie where he tried to stop being a nerd, he wanted to change his... Uh, the perception of him as being just like the uber geek and he did an action movie which I saw like a thousand times growing up 
And he was actually taken aback and surprised that I said it was. I said it was fucking rad. <laughs> that's what you said. Fucking rad. That's that's yeah. the one. I thought you were talking about the other guy. Yeah. So that's that's it for the convention. Um, but I just thought if, if no one's ever been to one, I would say just like it, it's cool to ask a question. I mean, you be uh, it takes a lot of courage to get up there, but ask one because there's a lot of other people waiting. Just you know, be cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to have to be stand in line and then I get out of line when somebody already asked. Ask the question I asked. So I really only would have would have had like one because I don't have a lot of you know. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have a lot of background information on like Kelly Brock or anything like all. Yeah, yeah, I gotta tell you, she things. looked amazing. And uh, the sad part is, everything she said was, oh my god, do you? Okay, it was pretty depressing. But do you remember at the end when that lady was really antagonistic about sexual assault of teenager uh, teenage actors in the eighties? And I was like, okay, this is getting actually worse. I thought. Her asking the question was bad, but then she got like argued with them. Yeah, I don't like making stick of turds. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, "Oh, this room's getting hot. I we should probably go." <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> okay, so with Stranger Things, um, I think most of us, you know, didn't know about it during its production, whatever. And it was kind of one of those instant word of mouth. I felt like within the first week, everybody was talking about Stranger Things that you had to watch this. Yeah, it's weird. Like I, um, I saw some clips of it here and there, like on YouTube, um, like promoting it, like some commercials, and uh, like a, a friend of a friend, acquaintance, this guy Eli, I knew through, you know, when I worked at Target in Hillsboro, was talking about it. You know, and he was like one of those guys who I, who I feel like has the finger on the pulse of what's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, oh, this guy's in there. Let me check it out. And then I'm like, and then yeah, it was. Yeah, cause he, but he's not an '80s kid. He's like, he's like a millennial. He's like in his early twenties. You know. Well, I feel like they're the ones now holding up the 80s nostalgia. I mean, for us, we lived through it, so it is kind of fun to reflect back on it. But this is like a whole new discovery for millennials. It's like us with stuff from the 50s and 60s. Like it was That's why it, it had a big boon in the 80s is like, oh, this is something my parents were into. What's weird about like – because the 80s keeps like – it should have already – the 80s fad, like the 80s nostalgia fad should have already passed. But it keeps going back to it. It keeps like Yeah, I keep thinking it's going to peak. I told um, Andrew, my host on uh, video night, I was like, dude, we got to be ready to pivot because I feel like 80s nostalgia is oversaturated right now and it's going to dive down. I, yeah. It may never actually die off, but I do feel like right now, this last couple of years is the absolute peak. All these movies are like homages to 80s. We're getting all these revivals from the 80s, sequels and remakes from the 80s. Um I just feel like there's a point where people are going to get sick of it. It's like the superhero effect. I feel like just right now is the peak of the yeah. superhero movie, and it's going to dip down. Yeah, we're kind of at the crest of that. Yeah, but with, I think the difference between like how it ages to them and what like the sixties was to us that just seemed like it was like more. That seemed more vintage. It seemed like older. It seemed more. Uh, you know what I mean? I didn't have the same kind of. It seemed like it was definitely my mom's era, but it just seemed like. Uh, it seemed like way, way in the past. It doesn't seem like, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, you're almost talking, uh, in, uh, it's almost been 40 years since, like, Empire Strikes Back, which is, like, the first big movie of the 80s. Right. No, I know. It's just, I, it's just, I, I mean, I, of course it seems, like, fresher to me because I, I experienced it. But I, I would think, like, the uh, the general millennial, I would think that would just seem like, I don't know, I would think that would seem, like, a little more recent or current than, say, like, maybe what we saw in the 60s. Yeah. yeah, I think. Uh, well, it's usually a twenty-year cycle. That's the thing that's confusing me is because yeah. usually, like, say we we started wearing. I remember in middle school we started talking about like Wonder Years and Vietnam movies and Grateful Dead, Tide Eye stuff in nineteen eighty-eight. Mm -hmm. 
and that lasted through like yeah. early grunge and then you know we, we moved into the 70s where it was like you know just making fun of like starsky and hutch you know sabotage stuff like that it's usually a 20 year cycle so you know 1970 to you know it started becoming a rising thing in 1990 but by 2000s 70s was starting to dip the 80s just keeps yeah. hanging on and hanging on i'm seeing some early 90s nostalgia starting yeah. to kick in the last couple of years there's some 90s hairstyle that that came went away and then came back yeah i've seen the mullets um, like i've seen i've seen yeah. the uh that way you know the thing where they shave the size of your hair but yep. you pull it oh, you yeah, pull it back still, that's still really popular it's still yeah. going on for well you. i just and, saw and, yeah and now flat tops now what i'm saying now what i'm saying is the uh, which i kind of still have which i just never grew out of but that kind of like uh, the kind of not necessarily a bowl cut but like the part right down the middle yeah and uh down and then it's kind of like a, like a soccer boy cut kind of like fluffy on the sides you know what i mean yeah i called the airborne if you remember that movie the uh, rollerblading movie okay like everybody yeah, yeah, had that yeah, hairdo yeah. <laughs> yep and i'm and i'm seeing like i'm seeing like kids with that now like you know like like hip looking kids with that, you know? yeah it's the weirdest thing though because 80s and nostalgia a lot of that was reflective of the 50s nostalgia so now we're getting two uh, different styles of nostalgia mushed together and then thrown into our era and why do you think it is those per two those two decades are so well remembered and nostalgic for yeah the 90s is a weird one for me because i remember when i was in the 90s um this is a weird weirdest thing but i remember when the ball dropped from 89 to 90 and i was watching these countdown and kirk cameron was like uh, the 80s had their own unique styles, and coming to the 90s, we're going to have our own unique styles, and you know what I mean? You're going to have to think about it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe he's right. And then come, like, 95, like, I can't think of any memorable stuff that, you know, that we have here in the 90s. He's pretty regular. Now, of course, upon reflection, it's pretty, some of the some of the stuff was pretty odd, like, you know, cross colors and yeah. skids. Well, gangster rap blew up, stuff. grunge blew up. Um, yeah. And it's always, there's a thing that people forget is, like, uh, every decade, it doesn't happen immediately. And you notice this in the first oh, season. Yeah. The first season of Stranger Things is set in 1983. But when you look at the styles, the colors, it looks like it's 1978. So the 70s it, leaped it, into it, the first part of the 80s, and the same thing for the next. And, that, and, and that, that's the way it was. I, mean, I, I look at I look at pictures from like the early 80s when I was there, and there was some there were some 70ish. There was some late 70s crossover. You know what I mean? Yeah. So some some of my relatives still had the wide uh, the wide lapels on their shirts and stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and uh, the, I would say 1984 is where what we think of the 80s now, or millennials think of what the 80s look like. It didn't start till like 1984. This is when MTV blew up. We have Miami Vice. We have Ghostbusters, Karate Kid, stuff like that. Then neon starts to kick in, synthwave, yeah. modern it was, rock. It was, it was it was in full stride about mid 1984 for sure. Yeah, skinny ties, etc. It was it, it was the anti 70s at that point. Right. It was yeah. just a polar opposite. So you see this in the show. So the first season is obviously much lower budget. Though when I looked at the budget for each episode, I was fucking shocked. It's like six million dollars an episode for Stranger Things that first season. That's a big, big risk. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's crazy because I mean, not only is it set in the, it's set in the eighties, but it looks like it was filmed in the eighties. Yeah. I, I like you know I, I don't know I don't know how they yeah, the Duffer Brothers. You know, we're able to pull it off. I mean, you know, it's it's weird because it's like you know, you think like what it costs to make something of that effect in, in the '80s it would be much less, but it costs so much. I don't know how the technology uh, you know utilized to make it appear that it was something that was made in the '80s. Yeah, you know, and it's more than just a filter because you can digitally alter almost everything now with a filter over it. 
what they think I think they did is what they looked at the independent movies like Evil Dead stuff like that because it had a different look it looked like it was shot on six, uh, super 16 millimeter instead of like the high quality 35 millimeter you know uh, the lighting was different it looks like an exact replica of like a, a one million dollar independent horror movie from that time period they really knew what they were trying to get yeah it, 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 it really had and it was definitely a cool aesthetic even from like the opening um, title screen it had that like that Stephen King-esque kind of uh, fade in of like uh yeah, the the title and that kind of dark menacing synth, you know, that, yeah. that, that that kicked in the beginning. I was like, oh wow, this is exactly what a sci-fi horror movie would 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 look like if it was made in the eighties for sure. Yeah, well, and it's, a lot of it's when people reflect on things, it's kind of what I was thinking about today. While I was going through a list of one-hit wonders of the alternative scene during the nineties. And I'm like, no, this band had a bunch of hits, this band had a bunch of hits. But as time goes on, you filter out extra details. So bands that had four or five hits only have the one that was huge. And I think that's the way it is when yeah. you think of the 80s is that you start boiling down. Hardly any movies actually had that look, that style. It's the ones mm. that really stick out, whole, you know, like The Thing, Goonies, Gremlins, you know, and stuff like that where people truly E.T. Um, oddly, a yeah. lot of Spielberg stuff going on there. Yeah, you can tell where they, where they've drawn their inspiration. There's, of course, there's, there's Goonies inspiration. There's all heavy Stephen King inspiration. Yeah. You can, you, you can tell that right off the bat. But that's, that's the thing with that show is um, I think this, the smaller budget helped uh, make it creepy. And I think as the show has gone on, it's, it's gotten less scary because there's more action pieces, there's more special effects. But it also relates to how movies were made in that era because the first season is really self-contained, um, whereas the second mm. season feels like, oh, this is set in 1984, let's make this reflective of movies from 1984. So, you know, the budget, I think, right. was $8 million an episode, there's more CGI, there's more action pieces, mm. and by the time you get to season three, it's like a full-on Spielberg, it's got the huge set pieces, tons of CGI, I think it was, they paid uh, $10 million an episode for the third season. That's true, I didn't really think of it that way, that, 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 that would be consistent with the way 80s movies kind of progressed, you know, they, they you know, uh, budgets got bigger, uh, there's more uh, special effects, you yeah. know, and things that nature, yeah. Well, the attitude yeah, so, also changes yeah. too, because the first season is very scary, and, and by the time you get to mm -hmm. season three, it's got the mall, it's got comedy, and, and, and a lot more uh, brighter colors, so each season, yeah, it's a different movie. That's similar to any kind of movie with any kind of sequel, because like you think like, well, the monster's already been revealed. You know what I mean? So you have to reveal it again, and then you have to make it. You know, what I mean? you have, then you kind of have to make it interesting. You can't like, you know, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube and like show the monster for the first time. You know right. that there's something lurking, something spooky lurking behind the scenes. You've already know it's happening. Just waiting for it to happen again. You know? Yeah. Well, so, yeah, you know, I mean, not as outlandish as like say Gremlins Two or something. You know, like, the crazy, craziest! Crazy I can't guy. believe that fucking movie got made. Still to this day, they were so desperate yeah. to get it made, they just let Do Joe Dante just do whatever he wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> the um, so the first season we have the Demogorgon, and it's, it's more of a mystery. We're trying to discover what this world is. You know, uh, Will mm -hmm. disappears. Um, I think Patty, yeah, Patty disappears as well. And then you have uh, Eleven, right? Eleven or Seven? F shit. L, L, no, 11. 11, 11. Yeah, and, and then, you know, she's not talking. She has these crazy powers. She has that ambiguity about her. Um, and I, th I think because they had a smaller budget, they had to keep it more restricted on the visual world that they could present. And the second one, I got kind of bored because it seemed like it took forever, and a lot of it was those little demon dogs 
what do you call it, Demo, Demodogs or whatever. I didn't like yeah, season Demo. two as much. Um, yeah, you know, I, I was, I was just wondering, like, so, so you got these dogs, does that mean, like, that means, like, the humanoid versions of these can't exist anymore, because, because they're dogs, and so why can't they both, why can't they both be, you know? Yeah. I, 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 I thought that was unusual. No, now we only have dogs. I'm like, wait, what? I mean, that can't, there's only one guy that did the whole thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So all these dogs in the last one, there's just only one fucking, you know, uh, Demogorgon dude, and that, <laughs> It doesn't seem to make sense. You have this whole other alternate universe. You seem to see one and then, like, multiple dogs. Yeah. Well, they also had the underground caverns, you know, with the, the crazy vines that, um, shit, what's, what's the guy's name? He's in Hellboy. Um, Hopper? Yeah. Right, Dave, David, uh, something. Harbor. David Harbor. Oh, yeah. I, I, when he was trapped, I, that part was, to me was scary. And the fact that they, uh, they wipe out, um, Sean Astin, who's got to be the most lovable, uh, you know, new not stepdad but like the new boyfriend i i really uh i really enjoyed his performance but i was i was truly upset when he killed him yeah that was uh you know that was uh definitely a heartbreaker um i guess you know they they, they brought him in just for, for i mean I, I mean i don't know why maybe, maybe they um apparently i'm not sure if there was some kind of maybe contract thing where they had to kill him off or if there was a appeal well yeah, I don't know. I think it was always part of the story, but that's the cool thing about the show is that it's not only set in the 80s and influenced by the 80s, but they bring back these great actors who I feel like are underrated or forgotten. So, I mean, the big deal is the fact we got Winona Ryder, I think, in a first TV series ever. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, expanding on that, you know, the, the guy who played, I was just reading something, on, uh, you know, oddly enough today, the guy who played the new kid in town, like the older brother who was like, like a bully. Oh, Billy? California. Yeah, Billy. He um he he wanted to be killed off on the the last season. He was, he he, you know, he was done. Yeah, he, I mean he, it completes he, his arc though. Yeah, that written in. Yeah, it completes his yeah. arc. It's one of these things where you see his full story. There, I don't think there was anywhere else to go. That's my worry actually about this show. Is I'm concerned how many seasons are they going to go and are they going to exhaust everything they have to say about this world? I don't not sure I want to see anything more about the upside down world. And I'm kind of glad that she lost her powers because. You know, taken away in season three, they made it, oh, okay, finally she can't stop it with her. Like she did at the end of season one and two, she had to think of a different way to defeat the creature. Right. Yeah, I mean, so so what? So what's the time that it lasts? Is it like every two years? Is that was? Well, um, I, I feel like they're, I feel like, um, if I remember correctly, season one and season two were filmed really close together. So it's only a year apart. Season three, I think it took two years. But I believe they still okay. set it in the 83, 84, 85. I don't, I don't believe... Season one was definitely eighty three. Oh, that's right, because he talks sure. about Back to the Future. Yeah, uh, season two, I I can't remember if that was eighty four or eighty five. Well, okay, so and, season uh, two, Ghostbusters was out because they're in the Ghostbusters outfit. So it's the Halloween so, after um, the movie came okay. out. Right, and uh, so the third one, they're definitely heavily heavily referencing eighty five. Um, yeah, it just depends on how maybe, fast they can they can film season four if they're going to set in eighty six or eighty seven. You got to film well, yeah, fairly so quick it, with this stuff because they're growing so fast. I was just about to say that if they're going to maintain that level of continuity, you know, you can't have to explain why these kids are maturing so so quickly and yeah. all you know these awkward teenagers all of a sudden. You know, it isn't amazing that okay, so all those high school uh, college movies we saw as kids, and then later you would look and they're like, he was thirty four playing a college student. What? I mean, I guess technically that's possible, but they never say he's in his thirties. But when it comes yeah, yeah. to uh, middle school age, 
you have to do that very fast or they will age out like that. Right, right, yeah. Because there's always like some younger looking, there'll always be like a younger looking young adult in their early 20s. You could pass for Yeah, but, but I was thinking about really that with hard, Shazam. Really pull it off the Shazam sequels, yeah. they got to film those pretty close together because if they don't, <laughs> he's going to be the same age. You know, him and Zachary Levi are going to look like a little bit apart. I'm like, well, how does he turn into him? <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, you know, I, I'm not really, I'm not super familiar with the comic lore. Is like Billy Batson's forever 12 years. Yeah, like well, they never age in comics. Year. The rule was for the longest time in Marvel comics, every year in the comic book was, hold on, every year in our world, oh, I'm, I'm getting this backwards. Well, whatever, it was, it, was, it was a four to one ratio. It was a four to one ratio in the comic books. So say from 1996 to 1990 was only one year in the comic book because a lot of the stories would be continuous. It's like one big battle, but it would go over like six issues. So that's only like one day. So it was just a, a very weird timeline. But DC Comics, they've been around for like 80 years and it's just like, oh, you only aged about four. That's why they keep rebooting the damn thing, which annoys the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense now. You know, if you do want to, you know, kind of, you don't have like senior citizens. Is, uh, yeah. <laughs> the um, so the other '80s actors that they bring in. Uh, season one, we have Matthew Modine, who I always thought was severely underrated. Um, I mean, Full Metal Jacket. Come on. Yeah, for sure. No, yeah, he was he he, he was really good in that. You know, he was uh, he was like that that uh, that definitely that creepy uh you know the creepy caretaker who is like just just warm enough you know what i mean and yeah just like, but, but he has that calculating way about him. him well it's so funny is that yeah. they do the flip so the two guys that work for these big corporations these secret labs now paul riser is notorious for playing like kind of sleazebags or just the wise ass, because you know he's in Beverly Hills Cop and Aliens and stuff like that. Sure, he didn't matter about you, but I never watched this. So in my head, he's still that kind of guy. But then he plays such a warm guy in Stranger Things, and then Matthew Modine always plays the kind-hearted one in movies. But in this show, they flip it on you. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Well, you know, Paul Rodgers' character didn't start out that way. He just kind of like you, you really weren't sure in the beginning. Like you, know, you, you, you just assumed he was like an evil prick, like Matthew Modine from Evil Eyes. Uh huh. You know, an evil corporation. But then, you know, as it goes on, you can see how it's kind of not, he's, he's not all bad. He's, uh, he, has a, he has a heart somewhere there, you know, so. The, um, oh, and we have Carrie Elway says the evil sheriff, and that was in season two, I believe, not three. I can't remember. Oh, wait, no, he was, he wasn't, she was the mayor, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, not sheriff, sorry, that's, that's uh, the wrong character. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> and he's become notorious for playing like these tools, which is so strange because if you think about him, you know, in Princess Bride, that's not how you see him. But the minute Hot Shots comes out, it's like, yeah, he's a tool. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, even in Princess Bride, he would just have that kind of like sly kind of like, yeah, I can see him being a, being a dick. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, it's funny is when you watch season three, so much of it isn't even about the giant monster or this fantastical world. There's such a big part of it. That is about, you know, the Cold War, fighting the Russians, which I thought, now that's an interesting take, because now you're turning into an action movie. Yeah, and then they, they did, like, you know, they kind of, like, referenced Terminator a little bit with that. Uh, that that, that part, I did not like guy. that at all. That was I thought that was really stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, was, um, it, 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 it is a little, a little unusual that, like, the, uh, the Russians would took over some kind of 
But that was like that was everyone's fear back then. Like, yeah. How are the rest of those infiltrating? You know what I mean? But also, if you look at 1985, that's when we had all these movies where we're taking on Russians and stuff like that. So it is reflective of the time period too. So, right. so okay. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about. And this is a big spoiler. Cause we talked about it a little bit here because um, she loses her powers. But another big thing is that we lose Hopper, and I don't. I do not believe they're going to kill him off. Who is it that is in that jail cell? In that cell? Yeah, that's that was the big. That was the big. Uh, Talking about, um, <clears throat> I, I've, I've, I've heard otherwise. No, Hopper's definitely gone. This is, you know, everybody, all these fan theories that he's in that cell. Yeah. Like, oh, it's definitely him in there. They definitely cast him. I mean, if it was, if it was the old it's days, you know, he's doing movies now, and I can see, like, in the old days, people who were on TV, if they had some movies coming, they always left. But nowadays, yeah, with shows only back being back. like eight to ten episodes, he can clearly come back and still do movies. Oh yeah, for sure. It's ongoing, and and now like filming, now like being a movie star isn't necessarily the pinnacle anymore. Being like, you know, being a long running series is better job security than you know. Yeah. You know, possibly being a shot in the pan movie star, and then it only right, happens right. like three films, and then you're irrelevant again. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, things like Stranger Things are movies. I mean, there's episodes that are two hours long almost, and I'm like, well, this they yeah. just shot a movie, so how long did they shoot this for? Because TV shows, dramas are notorious for usually shooting nine to ten days. I bet you that final episode took a month. I mean, that is one of elaborate oh, yeah. production. Yeah, that's that was. Um, I, I can't. I, I read. I read a little bit about like the uh, production value of that, that final season. Can't remember exactly how long it took, but yeah. it was crazy expensive. It was, you know, it was. Uh, yeah, they they pulled they they pulled all the stops for that that final season. Yeah, I get. To, I wonder if the next season. They're going to focus away from the upside down and focus maybe more on like teleportation or time travel or whatever it is that happened at the end when that thing blew up. And you know, they fast forward to Russia. There has to be some sort of almost like interdimensional traveling kind of thing going on and maybe moving away. I mean, Stranger Things doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a scary show, it can be just beyond reality. They turn into a sci fi thing next. Yeah, I say, you can you can transition from sci-fi horror to just full on sci-fi or full on sci-fi action if you want. Just, yeah. You know, so I'm I'm down for more seasons, but I do worry that they're going to run out of places to go, which is which happens with almost every sci-fi show. It has a great concept and it just burns itself out. But Netflix doesn't have the shows on for you know you know hundreds of seasons and all. Yeah. Of course, of course not. But like, they're, 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 they're good for killing off a show within four seasons, you know, four or five, or five seasons, you know, because they just, House of Cards, they killed, they ended, of course, because they had to because of Kevin Spacey. Yeah, yeah. There's some popular shows that they, they ended. But when I think about shows like well, Supernatural, 14 seasons, what did you have to say after the fifth season? <laughs> you know what, yeah, I, I, I bailed out after like season six. I was like, all right, let's get Ridiculous. Yeah. Like we're dead, psych. You know. Yeah. We're well, back. I mean, it's also quality control. How can you put out a show that's 22 episodes a season and keep the quality up? And mind you, I haven't seen past season one. It may still be great. I have no idea. But with Stranger Things, it's a very tightly wound season, and they haven't misstepped yet. I thought season two, like I said, it took a little too long to get going, and I was a little bored. But once it did, I was fine. Season three, there is not a, a wasted moment, and there's so many heartfelt things, and so many like I laughed my ass off. Uh, and so much stuff with um, was it Steve? Who's the kid that works at the ice cream shop that used to be the cool kid? 
yeah. Favorite character. Absolutely. Steve the Hair, Steve the Hair Harrington. Apparently he cut his <laughs> hair and everybody lost their fucking minds. <laughs> it's Felicity all over again. <laughs> Speaking of people who are older, I think the kid who plays, um, oh, what's his face? The kid who plays so-and-so's older brother, um, who's like, like the photographer guy. Oh yeah, Charlie Heaton. He's like, he's like, I want to say like late 20s. He's like, he's like actually pretty old. He's yeah. He's supposed to be like way out of high school. But. I really thought they were going to fire him after he got busted for drugs. And, um, yeah, Thankfully, yeah, yeah. people make mistakes, okay? As long as it's not a repeating thing. If you, yeah. you screw up in Hollywood, it's just the nature of the business. And uh, as long as you keep yourself clean, uh, you know, keep keep them busy because that usually keeps them off the drugs. It's the downtime that is when they start, like, I'm distracted, I need something. Yeah, you know, the trappings of fame, you know. Yeah. You know, like, you know, people pass this stuff. And it's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm young, I'm rich, you know, why, 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 why shouldn't I live a little? You know, so, so. And, he's, uh, he's dating. Um, he's dating that girl he dates in show in real life. Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty crazy. The um, the two main kids, uh, Millie Bobby Brown, she's getting a lot of movies. Um, I'm disturbed at how many grown men our age um, are lusting after her and can't wait for her to turn 18, which means they're not waiting for her to turn 18. It's the Olsen twins all over again, where they're just like, "Ooh, I can't wait so I can." You're lusting after him now, you fucking pedo. Stop it. If- it's kind of weird. I mean, I, I don't, you know, there's nothing really hot about her. You know what I mean? Like, you know, she's got, got a pretty face, you know? But, like, there's nothing, like, sexual. Yeah, it's, I think that's the her, that's know? the problem. I've always wondered this about pedophiles. I don't think that's what they're looking for. I think they were looking for something innocent to destroy. So if you're lusting after her, waiting for her to turn 18, um, please take a, uh, a hair dryer and set it on your crotch for a while until it burns. Um, and, and the other kid, Finn Wolfhard, now he is the one that's really breaking out. Um, you know, he was in It, he's in the new Ghostbusters, which I'm looking at the synopsis of Ghostbusters and they kind of keep it a tight lift. I guarantee you this is going to be closer to Stranger Things than it is like the last Ghostbusters. It's probably going to be like a $40 million movie, minimal special effects, really self-contained, and kind of making it about the kids, the next generation of Ghostbusters. That makes sense, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're truly gonna, if you're truly gonna pass the torch, that'd be a good way to do it. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, you know, and I don't you know, really find anything either. wrong with. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. The one with the girls, which they call now Ghostbusters mm-hmm. Three, which is, I think they're calling it Ghostbusters Three. But to me, it was just too big, and a lot of the jokes didn't work. If they had just trimmed it down, I think it would have been a lot better. Yeah, I never saw it, and it's not because they're girls. It's the horror because, well, because I heard it was bad. I just didn't get around to see it. It's not on any of like the platforms that, yeah. that you know that I have like Hulu, Netflix, etc. So I just haven't had a chance to see it. Yeah, you know, the first half. Play anymore, yeah, so, okay. the first half is fine. What I think happened was in the second half. And they're blaming it on the director, and I don't, I don't think so at all because I watched the rest of his movies and really tightly um, scripted movies. I think they wanted more improv, so a lot of the jokes don't work. A lot of the scenes meander, but the the, the ending is so effing big. So much CGI that halfway through the final battle, I was like, this is still going? Why is this still going? The final battle in all the other Ghostbusters movies was like five minutes, and it worked great. Yeah, I heard, I heard that Chris Hemsworth was pretty good in that. Yeah, he is very funny in that, yeah. But, um, yeah, we're all, we, we are off on a tangent here. So uh, that is pretty much it for me <laughs> with uh, Stranger Things. Anything else you want to say before we go? No, yeah, I, I mean, uh, just 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 expanding what you said, I, I really enjoyed the series. Uh, like you, I'm I'm hesitant to see uh, how many you know uh, how many seasons they can come up with. I mean, I'm I'd like to see them put maybe one more season and just put a cap. Yeah, they on, signed on them the to a huge thing, deal. I, 
they sign to a huge deal, like $100 million, but I don't think it's strictly for Stranger Things. I think it's for them to develop other movies and shows for them. That'd be good, yeah. I, I, I already know there's so many other seasons, so I know there's another season coming. But I think I, I think that should probably be the last one. Yeah. I don't Unless you're going to try to make it go until 1990 and then cut it off. But I don't even think they have to do that. I think that's No, but they could do show. movies, I guess. You could do one more season, but maybe have, like, the college years. Have, like, just a, one movie. You know? Yeah, I suppose. Well, you could have, like, a reunion, like, after they're apart for years and they have to come back for something. That would be kind of interesting. Oh, like an, like an it situation? <laughs> yeah, okay. I didn't realize I was saying that. But, you know, sometimes... Uh, but, you know, when there's long gaps, though, it also, the energy is different. And people have gone their different direction. I don't know what to tell you, dude. But you're right. I only want, like, a, maybe a season or two more. Yeah. You know, keep it, you know, keep, keep you know... Keep them, keep them wanting more. That's that's the way you do it. Yeah. Just, you know, Seinfeld the learned that role, except it pissed off everybody at the end. I still think that's the most appropriate ending was the Seinfeld ending. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it was a that was a classic, clean way to you know. Yeah, if this their ding dongs, they got what they deserved. <laughs> right. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're pretty much horrible people. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> okay, so um, second half of this will be Tales from the Crypt. So I guess that's us signing off, and we'll continue with the second half of this after these messages. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hey, all right, everybody. So this is the second half of the episode. Um, this episode uh, is one of the longer ones. So we're splitting in half with uh, talking about the 30th anniversary of the Tales from the Crypt TV show with my friend Josh. How's it going, Josh? Howdy. The um, what is the first time you experienced this show? Did you see it when it was on HBO, or did you see it in reruns on Fox like I did? No, no. I I actually saw the first run on HBO uh, growing up. Yeah, it's it must it's wildly um, I different. I don't think I've gotten to it until like the second or third season, though. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, for me, I experienced it on Fox late Sunday nights. Like, for a while there, you know, programming for Fox usually stopped at 10 o'clock. But this is this is weird when they double episode cut versions of it from 10 to 11 because it was cheap for them to syndicate that. See, I never knew it was on uh, on Fox. Yeah, it was only for a couple of years. They did that in Dream On for a while. Yeah, because I remember around the time that I, I mean, yeah, I remember Dream On. I remember um, First and Ten with O.J. Simpson, I think, was on there, and um, uh, Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, this is one of the very first original so, series they had, right? Yeah, yeah, so I, I was, I was, yeah, so that's that was my introduction to the uh, the HBO TV world, which I, I, um, I think was obviously their, their best days. Yeah, it's, um, well, I was just thinking a lot of people would disagree with me. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. There's, there's fits and spurts. I think that this was a time when it wasn't overtaken by, Hey, let's throw orgy scenes in for no reason and make it long and convoluted. Right. I kind of do like the Larry Sanders, you know, before Sopranos took over and made it a much bigger thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's, everything is ultra dark and, and, um, you know, I think overly cinematic and, uh, even art house to some degree. Yeah. Um, um, which, you know, isn't a bad thing. It's just, not, uh, I mean, obviously dream on first and 10 tales from the crypt. And I think Arliss was another one. Yep. I mean, those were, those were a lot of fun, you know? I was thinking of the syndicated TV shows around this period because we were just drowning in them. And for the most part, they were much lower budget. Whereas Tilson and the Crypt they were. had a bit, a bunch of big names attached to it. They had real special effects. And they could always gather some, you know, a good cast for every episode. Maybe they're not all household names, but that did get to the point where sometimes you show up and like, why is Michael J. Fox and Arnold Schwarzenegger, why are they involved? Because they just let them have free reign. Yeah, it wasn't the first season shot on. I think it was. I think it was shot on like sixteen millimeter, and then they they, they bumped up the budget. Or yeah, I, heard anything about that? I don't know. It looks so damn good, though. I can't imagine because when I look at the first season of Buffy, which was shot on Super sixteen, compared to the first season of Tales in the Crypt, and to me they look totally different. I can see the grain uh-huh. in Buffy. I can't see it in Tales in the Crypt. Yeah, a lot of shows, even network shows in the late 90s, or I mean in the 90s, were shot on Super 16. Yeah. You know, um, like I know Walker, Texas Ranger was shot on Super 16. Uh, Well, that was kind of, they did with cop shows a lot because it gave it a grittier look, like NYPD Blue uh, popularized that look, and the shaky cam. Yeah, but I mean, some of these Tales from the Crips episodes, I mean, they're they're just beautiful, and I wish some of them were movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny is that a few of these did end up becoming movies, um... They were sent in originally as scripts for the show, but uh, from *Dust Till Dawn* and *Frighteners* later became movies. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Which are much better well, than the know, actual *Tales in so the cool. Crypt* movies, I think. Right. Well, I mean, what was so cool about uh, what I liked about season one, even though it was very short-lived, is you had uh, I mean, Fred Decker wrote a couple of the episodes, who I think is a very underrated uh, um, genius in his own right, and um, he. Uh, he wrote one of my favorite episodes, uh, which was the uh, Christmas horror episode. Right, all around the house is amazing. It's my favorite episode. All around the house, I think. I think that's probably my favorite episode of of, of season one. I mean, it's it's got it's got Mary Ellen Trainer, um, who of course was the mom in the Monster Squad. Yeah, she's like our generation's uh, TV movie mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And she passed away, didn't she? Yeah, a few years ago, sadly. Yeah, yeah. Well, she was um, she was in Lethal Weapon. She was the psychiatrist in Lethal Weapon. Yeah, she seemed like she was a lot of um, Joel Silver productions. Yeah, Richard Donner. Yeah, one of the two. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, all through the house was uh, probably. I mean, it's, I think it, it's just his own little mini masterpiece in its own right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and allowed it allowed us. I love the Chris. We get to see Larry Drake as a villain because he had been kind of um, well, he played the special character on L.A. Law, and I would say this episode right. is what led to him being cast in Darkman. Yeah, and uh, Doctor Giggles and all that. Yeah, he he, he kind of playing Madman after this. Yeah. It's um. So I thought this yeah. was the first episode for a very long time because when they aired it on Fox, I think they pick and chose the episodes they thought would be the most popular. I did not know that The Man Who Was Death with uh, William Sadler was the very first episode. Yeah, I didn't either, and and that's ironic because he ended up being in uh, Demon Knight. Yeah, well, I think he was uh, very popular with these guys. They seemed to cast him in a bunch of their stuff. And at the time that he did this, he was basically a nobody, right? He had barely done any TV work. He was mostly like a theater actor. Yeah, because that's true, because uh, Die Hard 2 was one of his first kind of, you know, he was the main villain in Die Hard 2, and that was, uh, gosh, that was Joel Silver, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But I look back on these episodes, and I feel very surprised that they went with this episode first. It's very subtle. It's black and white. It it must have been Walter Hill's call for it to be the first episode, because honestly, if I'm going to choose the episodes, it's going to be the last of the six to show, you know, to bring an audience in. Yeah, yeah. Um, who else? Who else was in the first episode? Um, well, Garrett Graham, everybody. Um, oh, I love from I love Bud the Walter, Chud Walter and uh, what's uh, Used Cars? I think is what he's most famous for. Yeah, and Walter Hill directed it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Who was a producer on this? Most yeah. of the guys who directed the first season were uh, producers on the show because we have Zemeckis, Donner, and Walter Hill up first. Mm-hmm. And then you had. Um, Jake the Cat, which was Joe uh, Pantoliano. You said it right. I, I'm so uh, terrible with that. I just say Joey Pants like most of us do. <laughs> yeah, right. And then, oh, and Robert Wall. Robert Wall, who actually then went on to Arliss. So that oh, makes right. sense. Yeah, that one was uh, yeah. Terry Black. He's Shane Black's brother. But as far as I know, he didn't write very much. No, he wrote uh, that film Dead Heat, which is actually a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and he did some TV stuff, but he, he never really, um, he, he was never a screenwriter like, like his brother was. Yeah. It still feels like these guys all, this little tight circle went on for like the next decade designing the next wave of action and sci-fi horror. Uh, cause I keep looking at all these names I'm like, yep, they became a thing, the thing, a thing, you know, it, it's, uh, and they always kind of backed each other up. I know from, uh, listening to a podcast with, uh, Fred Decker is that, <laughs> You know, these guys watched out for him. When, when work started to dry up, they would throw a script to him for certain shows and, and potential movies. Yeah, you know, it's it's so, it's so his, his career really fascinates me because, you know, he did Night of the Creeps and Monster Squad. And um, and then and, and then I, I, it's, it's almost like RoboCop 3 kind of hurt him a little bit. Yeah. Well, he did Ricochet for Joel Silver in the middle. Yeah, he did Ricochet. He did Ricochet. Um, 
He was, or he, he was a writer that night. It wasn't his script, right? Uh, I think it was an adapted, like it was a story by someone else, and then he was hired to adapt it to screenplay. I think. Uh, it, right. Um, but you know, he, I mean, like he and he, he had a movie with John Carpenter that never went. I, I think he just had some bad luck, man, because he. Yeah, oh, oh, you know what he did? He did uh, if looks could kill. Oh right, yeah, yeah, the spy movie. Yeah, and then and then of course his first film, House, which was you know its own kind of masterpiece, and then Night of the Creeps, then Monster Squad, and then yeah, and then after Ricochet, I guess he did probably five or six episodes of Tales from the Crypt before doing RoboCop three. Yeah, did you know there was supposed to be a spinoff of this called Two Fisted Tales? That Walter Hill was going to run and Fred Decker was going to be his main writer, but HBO passed on it. They only shot one episode. Oh, oh, that's painful. Yeah. What was it supposed to be about? Well, it's just based on the old. Well, every every episode, as far as I know, of Tales from the Crypt is based on a story in one of the classic EC comics. Well, it wasn't just horror comics during the fifties. Yeah. It was also Western tales and sci-fi tales. And Perversions of Science was a sci-fi spinoff of this, which lasted a season. And then they decided to do Two-Fisted Tales, which is based on old Western novel, uh, Western uh, pulp comics. Right. And that, I would have been, that would have been incredible. Yeah, I believe that was supposed to fill the gap um, after the show ended the first time, and they went off to do the movies. And then the show came back, what, like two years later when the movies failed? And see, I don't know real. I, I really don't know why. I mean, Tales from the Crypt did really well. I mean, or, I mean, it was received really well. And then Bordello of Blood, it, it wasn't a good movie, but I, I, I watch it now with a deeper appreciation. Yeah, oh, but my problem is we um, just we just discussed it on Trash Cinema. I think the problem is Dennis Miller. He shows the script no respect. It's like he just cashing his paycheck and going fuck this shit. Yeah, he was a very odd choice for the lead in that. Um, you know, and, and then then they, I mean, Corey, Corey Feldman was in it, Andy yeah. Everhart was in it. Um, I mean, it was, it was, it was a vampire Tales from the Crypt movie. I mean, really, what more could you want? But, sure. you know, when you start getting into the televangelists and all that stuff, I mean, it, 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 it gets kind of silly, but. Um, but I, I see Chris Randon gave a hell of a performance. Yeah, Chris Randon, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think it's I think it's a great movie, and then of course I, I love the next movie, which they they didn't even call it a Tales from the Crypt. What's the, is that Ritual, right? Yes, Ritual, oh. but it did not have the crypt. I mean, it didn't have the uh, the label, but but the Crypt Keeper was still in it. Yeah, I think that was one of those things, kind of like the way they did with National Lampoon, where they licensed the name out, and then Dimension got nervous because they thought the brand wasn't sellable anymore. So they took the name off, not uh, the owners of Tales from the Crypt, which caused a serious rip. And that's why it sat on the shelf for like three years. I, I think there was some sort of lawsuit about it. I can't remember. Well, it was a great movie. It was a great horror movie. They don't do a lot of voodoo movies. And I think uh, that's a, a genre. <laughs> Holy crap. What was that? A demon possession? Are you okay? What's, what's that? I don't know what just happened, but it sounded like a demon possession on my speaker. It sounded horrifying. Okay, hold on a second. <laughs> that was madness. Give me a second here. Tales from the Crypt presents Ritual. Okay. That's, yeah, I just remember it being but some sort of... it never... Right, it got sent straight to video, though, right? It didn't, it didn't go to theaters. 
No, I don't think so. Um, but it was released in 2002, so they probably shot it in 99. Yeah, that was one of those things I remember Dimension had to barf out all their movies they had sitting on their uh, vault, I guess if you want to call it, that they would use. These guys, man, I mean, it's not just the sexual stuff, man. Harvey Weinstein was always up to some sketchy shit. He would hold movies back and use them as tax write-offs. And he would just keep circulating that until it was time. And then Disney said, look, we're ending our contract with you. And then they just shoved everything out straight to video. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Okay. So many good movies were chopped up um, by him and sent away. Avi Neshner, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he's had an interesting career. <laughs> Which started, I think, with She, the uh, post-apocalyptic sword and sorcery movie. <laughs> yeah, with uh, Sandal Bergman, right, right, yeah. right. Um, okay, and so then he did. Uh, oh, he did. He did Time Bomb. That was a good movie with Michael B. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a crazy performance. Yeah, and then he did uh, some direct-to-video stuff. Yeah, and I, yeah, but the, um, the one thing I want to say about the show though is that it gave <coughs> actors who didn't get. Let's see, it's happening again. What the fuck? We're haunted. We're haunted, people. This is insane. <laughs> haunted on Halloween. Um. The fourth episode is one of the things I think why this show was so successful is because it gave actors to do something um, that they didn't typically get to do in movies, and they got to be the leads. Like, Joey Pants was never a lead before, but Leah Thompson got to play a very dark, disturbing character, which she never really got to do in the movies. Oh, right. That was the one where she was um, the prostitute, right? Yeah, and then sells her looks. Oh, wait, no. she sell- I can't remember. She sold something in order to... Oh, that's right, they took a, a cast of her face, and it got uh, put onto someone else, and then she accelerated, like, overnight, almost. Right, right. That was uh, um, that was another Fred Decker script. It was. That was Fred Decker. Right. You're right. You see, I think a yeah, lot of Leah people... Thompson. I, I think a lot of people think of Fred Decker as more of the comedy family stuff, which is why I think he got RoboCop 3, but he handles serious scripts, and, and I wish that he would be taken as, like... Uh, a more mainstream, a mature screenwriter. Oh man, he's he. Uh, I mean, to me, I think those guys were just. I mean, I think they defined so many action and horror and sci-fi movies. I mean, they and you know also they just came. They you know they were around at the right time. You know they were around when when um, when that you know when you could sell spec scripts and you could get you know original content made. But, you know, it was so cool to see Fred Decker write the script for Predator. Yeah, which I wish the studio hadn't chopped up, but I'm kind of glad in a way. I'm the only person that's probably glad, partially, that Disney took over Fox because Fox was fucking it up, man. It seemed like every movie since uh, that last Die Hard, they were just screwing up left and right. And yeah. I don't know. I, well, maybe, maybe it's just the fact that they just need new executives, not maybe uh, hide the catalog. Because I don't understand why Disney wants R-rated franchises. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, Disney's going to own everything in the um, Well, I mean, you look at a lot of Fox films. I mean, uh, you know, Fantastic Four and, you know, I mean, a lot, a lot of stuff. I mean, even the last next one, you know. I mean, they, um, I don't know, they're, 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 they're definitely their own, their own mechanism over there. Um, the next episode, see, I thought this, this episode was worst of the, or no, no 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 this was this was a good one this was the one where they went to they um amanda Plummer was the lead and she married some guy who wanted her money 
and they're going up on their honeymoon and they end up getting caught in a storm. Right. And then they end up going to this house and it's like all hell breaks loose. And it's, it's your typical, um, you know, you're, you're going to, you know, your karma's a bitch kind of tales from the crib style. Yeah. Which is, I think the best way, because most of these stories are bad people doing bad things and getting what they deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was probably, probably that, that's probably my favorite episode next to the uh, the Christmas episode, uh, All Through the House. I didn't know this is from the writer of Beetlejuice, and uh, it was directed by Tom Holland, who did Fright Night, which I absolutely adore. Oh well, okay. I mean, look at that. I mean, you just don't get that today. No, this, I mean, you know? well, you get it maybe with those same directors now because they're not red hot and they just you know everybody needs a paycheck. But yeah, they were, they're talking about guys who, I mean, he had just come off a of child's play for fuck's sake. That was a huge movie, and um, he just does a TV show because they probably said, do whatever you want. Yeah, and they, they gave they gave the filmmakers free reign, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Plus yeah. the fact that they could have gore. And the, and the show never really focused on nudity, but it, it, boy, the show got wet sometimes, especially later in seasons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll never forget the Christopher Reeve restaurant episode. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. 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 The cannibal. Well, they cook a guy up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was. Pretty I like hard. Uh, one of the darkest ones is the one where Kyle McLaughlin is a criminal and running through the desert. And he's handcuffed to that sheriff, and I think at oh, the yeah. end he ends oh, up yeah. breaking his neck and getting his eyes plucked out by vultures. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably one of my favorite episodes too. Yeah. Uh, the um, Timothy Dalton. That one, one and uh, the one. The one Lance Henriksen and Kevin uh, Teague did together, the, the gamblers, who they just kept, they were so stubborn, they, they just had to win, and so they ended up, like, you know, they play Russian roulette, and then they started chopping off fingers. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so by the end of the episode, you know, they're completely incapacitated. Which, there's a play on that in Bordello of Blood. In the very beginning, William Sadler comes back as the mummy, and he's having a fight with the Crypt Keeper, saying they both can't be in the same town or whatever, and they start chopping off pieces as a, some sort of competition. So that must be oh, a lot. Oh, that's right. Right. The, um, uh. That also, what was I thinking of? There was one episode with Timothy Dalton and, shit, the mom from Vacation. What's her name? I just had it. Oh, Beverly D'Angelo. Beverly D'Angelo, where he's at a hotel trying to hunt down, um, there's like a werewolf, and it turns out she's a vampire, and she just gores him. It's like, why do you think you're the king of this place? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill everybody else, not you. I thought that was a fun one. Oh, I don't remember that one. That was which, a good one. Which, do you know what season it was from? No, nah, I'll look it up later. Um, there, I think the season finale that stopped, or I guess technically series finale, is the one with Tim Curry. And Ed Begley Jr., where Tim Curry is dressed up as every other character in it, and it's really nasty, and that was the way the series ended, I believe. And then, I think it picked up three years later with an animated episode with Bobcat Goldthwait as the big bad wolf, and the three little pigs end up, like, planning against him and killing him. Oh, right. Right. You know, it, it really was, I mean, it, it kind of was a mixed bag. There were some episodes where it was pure genius, and it had the had a great star, and then some episodes were just like, what the hell was that? Yeah, but they uh, just let, they threw stuff at the wall and see what stuck. Yeah. I mean, they did a great Western episode, um, which is why I think that, that Two Piston Tales would have been great. I gotta look. Maybe that is the episode, because I think they incorporated it into the series when HBO didn't pick it up. Who was in that one? Was that one also oh, with William Sadler? Is that what they did? 
Um, gosh, who was in that Western episode? Um, uh, it was it was a heavy. It was a heavy. Hang on, I can tell it's okay. you. While you're looking it up, I'll, let's probably finish the uh, the first season. So uh, the final one, um, I think M. Emmett Walsh gives one crazy ass fun performance, and uh, it's about a guy who's you know retiring and he's bored, and it turns out the whole time he was working his ass off off on the road, is his wife becomes obsessed with all the animals in the neighborhood and they take over his world, and I mean it's fucked up what he does and what he gets is what he deserves, man. Oof. Oh, yeah, that's the one where he was killing those animals, though, right? Yep, and then she kills him and sews him up, and uh, I was like, yep, yeah, deserves that one. Yeah, yeah he, uh, he's a great actor, but um, that, that episode was hard to watch. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, six episodes, only six episodes that season. Well, I feel like HBO did that a lot back in the day. There wasn't a ton of money, especially since this was a bigger budget show. You know, and they just wanted to test it out. So six episodes just to see if anybody will even watch it. They don't have to sink a bunch of money into it. Problem is, is sometimes shows can take forever to come back. And then they're like, oh, shit. And people are clamoring for more. And we don't want to lose our audience. That's an old idea. Today, you know, you can have one season and then wait two years for another season. And people are completely patient as long as it's worth it. Yeah, as long as it's morbid. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I was just blown away by the cast they got on that show. I mean... I mean, they could. I mean, Tom Hanks did one. Did he? I didn't know that. He's in it, not directed yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, maybe he directed it. Um, let me see. The the Western episode, by the way, was called Showdown. Okay. And and Richard Donner directed it. And Frank Darabont wrote the screenplay. Okay, cool. So, yeah, that was that was a really really solid episode and i i wish they had done more um more western stuff uh, yeah he was in the episode he was in the episode and um um let's see here i'm looking at some of these directors you got schwarzenegger you got steven e d'souza michael j fox stephen hopkins toby hooper um russell mulcahy tons of walter hill walter hill really contributed to the show um Wow, Robert oh, Longo yeah. before he ever directed Johnny Mnemonic. Wow, William Friedkin, holy shit. William Friedkin, yeah. Peter Medic, John Frankenheimer, Joel Silver actually directed one. I, I never knew he directed anything. I didn't either. Wow. <laughs> Kevin Yeager. Well, no, he no he directed the pilot. No, yeah, the Walter Hill did the pilot. Oh, Walter Hill did the pilot. That's right. Kyle McLaughlin came back and directed an episode. That's cool. So yeah, these got some serious names here. A lot of up-and-comers, too. I mean, you know, I'm really surprised that they haven't tried to revisit this. They have. There was a pilot um, done by... Shit, uh, I'm almost certain that M. Night Shyamalan was trying to bring it back for TNT, which is the wrong place to put it. Yeah, you don't want to put it on TNT. Well, then again, um, cable's different now, so maybe you could have... No, you couldn't have that, that much more. No way. Yeah, but I'm, I'm surprised, like, not Shudder or Hulu, or, you know. Um, I mean, that, that. I mean, you know, Joe Bob Briggs, man, he's doing a, doing a th uh, Christmas uh, movie special. Um, did you hear about that? Yeah, wait, Christmas special? I know he did one last night. What's he doing for Christmas? 
Well, I think he's doing like he's got like three movies he's doing. Yeah, I wish he'd just do a full season. Honestly, I don't understand these little tiny marathons. Yeah. Maybe it's because everybody. No, but I, I think yeah. um, I think we're due for a good. I mean, you know, uh, Creep Show did very well, so maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll see some yeah. kind of. Uh, well, Twilight Zone's doing well. They've been, they've talked about all of them coming back. Amazing Stories, I guess, is still in development. Um, I don't think Tales from the Dark Side is ever going to come back. That always seemed kind of lower uh, lower end for me. I'll, I'll watch a few episodes, but I'm not clamoring to watch like a bunch. But that are Monsters, the spinoff. I never got into those. Right, right. Yeah, I never watched Amazing Stories. Oh, my God. I was huge on that. Well, what was it? I mean, what was it well, about? Okay, so uh, it's kind of like the Twilight Zone movie, except more geared towards fantasy so there's no, oh, okay. I, I think there, there was 40 episodes, I believe, and I would say 90% of them are all like more adventurous and humor and sci-fi. There's only a few scary ones. One is scary as hell, though, um, where, um, oh, damn it, Sam Watterson plays a Stephen King-style writer, and he creates this character that's so powerful that um, it somehow comes, comes into reality. But he can only see it in reflections. He can see it in the mirror. He can see it in the window pane. He can see it um, in people's glasses or whatever. And it's getting closer and closer and closer every single time until it completely takes him over. Um, that was a really scary one. Oh, okay. Then there's one with um, Gregory Hines where he's a psychic and he's at a magic show. And he's showing off his talents and he has a blindfold on so he can't see anybody. He grabs a guy's hand and sees that he has – he's like a Jack the Ripper style uh, killer. And he, and he sees it, and he panics, and he runs, and he pulls a blind off, and he can't see where the guy went. And then he works with the cops to try to find who the killer was using his psychic powers. That was a scary one, too. But for the most part, they're all like, wow, zing, bang, boom. You know, Spielbergian. I mean, that's he produced it, so it's more of his – it seemed like his, yeah. his testing yeah. ground for Amblin. Like, okay, so this director, this writer can do an episode of this, so therefore they can go on to do you know, something bigger for my studio. And Mick Garris was the guy running the show there. Yeah, see, I, I, I mean, I don't know on cable. I just, I think I watched a few of them, but I, don't, I have no memory of them whatsoever. Uh, but I, but I remember Steve Spielberg. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that might be one. Uh, that might be worth uh, worth revisiting. But sure. Tales from the Crypt is the only one that was a phenomenon. It's the only one that gets spinoff movies. It had yeah. fucking cartoons for Pete's. It got a radio show. It was the only one that like people, everybody knew. Even if you didn't have HBO, you knew what it was. You knew who the Crypt Keeper was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he became kind of like a Freddy Krueger. Yeah, during that era when villains were more wisecracky than just, you know, because uh, you look at the early uh, slasher films, they're more like the Michael Myers, the Jasons, where they're monosyllabic, or they didn't say anything at all, they're mutants, some sort. But then Freddy comes around, all of a sudden everybody's got one-liners, so you got Chucky, you got Shocker, and stuff like that. So uh, Kevin Yeager designed the Crypt Keeper to be more mascot-like. Yeah. 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 No, oh, that's right. They did do a cartoon on that. That's right. So strange. It's that uh, they sell that to kids. It boggles my mind. Oh yeah. No, I remember there was like tales or the Crypt Keeper lunch boxes and stuff. It's like, are you kidding me? I had I had an action only, figure. <laughs> only in the nineties could you get away with that. Yeah. You know? Well, is there anything else you want to say about this before we go? No, man. I think we pretty much covered it. Cool. All right, so that's 30 Years of Tales, of the Crypt, uh, Tales from the Crypt, and uh, like, I think we both enjoy seeing it come back. So hopefully 
I'm not sure if M. Night's the right guy to do it. I think that he doesn't have the comedy, the dark, twisted elements that are necessary. I think his would be more straightforward. Well, that's, that's what concerns me, you know, about somebody taking it over. They need to, they need to keep the uh, traditional tone. Right. You know. Uh, well, I mean, most of those guys are, yeah. I think all those guys are still alive. Why don't they run the show again? Well, that's that's the $64,000 question. Yeah, just get Fred Why Decker to do it. For fuck's fun. sake, Fred Decker's right there. Hire him. He'll run the show. <laughs> just, nobody, nobody gives the guy, you know, a break. Yeah. You know? All right. So, anything you want to plug before we go? I'm good, man. Uh, we'll uh, we'll come back with another uh, podcast soon. All right. Yeah. We'll we'll probably. Find uh, we'll find something to talk about. Definitely more, maybe more sci-fi this time, and then we'll go. We'll bounce around to different genres and see what uh, sticks. But that is our Halloween episode, everybody. Thank you for waiting uh, while I put this season together. Uh, I think we're doing good. I got three uh, three episodes in one month, so yay! <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, so we are on Facebook. Uh, no problem. Uh, we're on Facebook under that exact name, Next Planet Over. And uh, you are on Twitter and Facebook under Josh Ridge- Ridgeway. And uh, yep. that's it. Everybody, have a good night. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>